Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us for the Restore Community Church podcast. My name's Theo Davis. I am the digital pastor here at Restore, and we're in the middle of a series of messages called How We Love Matters. Now, if you didn't catch the last message, uh, we had a special guest speaker, Albert Tate, the author of the book, How We Love Matters. And he did such a brilliant job. My goodness, the humor, the laughter, and the challenge as well. Uh, You really need to hear Albert as you go into the rest of the series. But for today, our lead pastor, Troy McMahon, uh, is going to be sharing with us part two of this series on empathy. I don't know about you, but we live in a society that lacks empathy. So I'm really excited, not only for me to hear this, but for you as well. So whether you are on the road, you're at the gym, uh, whatever you're doing right now, I'm excited for you to lean in and hear what Troy has to say. So let's go ahead and check it out. Hey there, Restore family. Welcome back to our series, How We Love Matters. I'm so glad that wherever you are, that you've decided to join us. This series that we're in is really all about love. And at the end of the day, the reason it's so important is because understanding for us is that love is a really, really big deal to God. Now in this series, we're going to take a look at love and we're going to take a look at race But really, it's all about love because the truth is this. You and I, we can't get to the application of racial reconciliation unless we literally sit in the revelation of how God loves us and how God has called us to love one another. Now, I want to encourage you. We're in week two, and if you missed part one, you really need to go take a look because it's the foundation for this entire series. And the series is based on a book written by my friend Albert Tate. And he kicked off our teaching last week. And so I really want to encourage you to watch it because, man, he is a gifted communicator. And I think you'll be inspired and challenged. Now, as we take a look at the overarching uh, of this series and the impact of God's love in our lives, it comes down to these really four big ideas. And that's looking at empathy, sacrifice, justice, and grace. And today, well, I want to lean in and talk about empathy. Our our big idea is this. Love requires empathy. Not to fix, not to agree, but to be. You see, empathy is not fixing the problem. Empathy is not agreeing with the perspective. Empathy is joining in with the one who is hurting. You see, God sets the example for us because our God is love and he loves us with empathy. If we look at the Gospel of John, the very first chapter, here's what we read. We read that the word became flesh and the word made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Later on, John would record these words that Jesus spoke. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. What I want us to see is kind of how God translated his love. See, God so loved us that he showed up for us. God, in his glory, left the perfection of heaven and entered into our brokenness in Christ Jesus. 
And he did so so that God would be with us. You see, God demonstrated that love shows up. And showing up, that's empathy. Now, from a kind of definition perspective, empathy, it refers to our ability to identify and understand other people's emotions and burdens. Simply put, it's the idea of being able to not just stand in someone else's shoes, but to sit in their pain, to sit in their suffering, to stay in their burden. You see, Jesus Christ became flesh. He moved into the neighborhood. He dwelt among us. God loved us so much that he climbed down the ladder of time in Jesus so that he might be God with us. Friends, we can't begin to act in love if we first don't sit in empathy. So today, let's take a look at a few biblical stories of when Jesus showed up empathetically. And let's look at those stories and ask, well, what did Jesus bring? Well, more accurately and importantly, let's ask what Jesus did not bring. First thing is this. We can't bring fixing to empathy. I mean, Jesus didn't do it. I mean, there's a story in the Gospels that's recorded also in the book of John. It's the story of Jesus and his friends. There's Mary, there's Martha, and there's their brother Lazarus. Well, Lazarus gets sick. And they called Jesus, and they knew because Jesus had the power to heal him. And they fully believed that. Well, Jesus doesn't come right away. As a matter of fact, he waits four days. And by the time that he gets there, Lazarus is dead. And they actually, actually already placed him in the tomb. And Mary and Martha, as you can imagine, they are just distraught. They are mourning deeply. Well, when Jesus arrives on the scene, he, he faces this emotional shock and devastation and disappointment with Mary and Martha. And they're just frustrated with Jesus. That They're just, if you'd have been here, Jesus, if, you'd been, if you just would have been here, Jesus, he wouldn't have died. What Jesus says to them, show me where he's laid. And they take Jesus to the spot of Lazarus' tomb, and he looks around and he sees all of these people who are in grief and who are mourning and they're crying. And the shortest book in the entire Bible, how Jesus responds is simply this. Jesus wept. That's empathy. But if you're anything like me, maybe even occasionally cynical or you've got some spiritual imagination, you might be thinking, hey, you know it's about to happen. And you're going, Jesus, you're about to raise Lazarus from the dead. You're about to fix the whole problem. So why, Jesus, are you wasting time crying when you're about to fix the whole thing? I think Jesus knew that empathy it sends a different message than resolve. I mean, Jesus knows he's about to fix it, but even before he fixes, he says, I want to sit. I want to sit in empathy so that you know that I understand your pain. Jesus, I know I'm about to heal it, but before I heal, I want to take some time and sit and cry with you. You see, so many times we show up with good intentions to care for people. And we want to care for people who are going through pain and suffering. But the truth is we show up as fixers and not empathizers. It's like we've got 
this toolbox. And we bring this toolbox with us into these relationships, into these situations. They say, in my toolbox, you know, I can fix things. I can fix things. Man, I can fix your headache. I can fix your heartache. I can fix with my toolbox anything that ails you. But I'll tell you this. Empathy, empathy is not about my ability. It's not about your ability. It's not about our ability. Empathy is about our emotional availability. Although Jesus had the tools to fix it, he didn't show up with his tools, no. The first thing Jesus showed up with was his heart. You see, when people are hurting, they don't need us to show up and just say, here's how we can fix it. They need us to show up as this is how we can feel with you. I tell you, when we show up with empathy, we don't show up with a toolbox. Now, I got to be honest with you. I don't do this naturally well. Empathy is hard for me because I really, really want to fix things. I want to make things better, right? All of us kind of want to improve and make things better, but I got to be honest with you. I got a couple things working against me. First thing is this. I happen to be an Enneagram type 7. They're called the enthusiast. If you know anything about the Enneagram or this type of person, here's what you know. We love all the positive emotions, man. We love happiness. We love joy. We love laughter. But we don't do well with the challenging emotions like pain or suffering or disappointment. And to be empathetic, well, you have to be able to enter into the discomfort of others if you want it all to be comfort for them. I, I got a second problem as well. You see, I, I'm an engineer by training. And as an engineer, I've been trained and equipped to fix problems. As a matter of fact, I have two engineering degrees, so I really, really, really want to fix things. Well, my wife Janet, we've been married for nearly 36 years. And one of the hardest things for me to learn has been to how to empathize when she is hurting and in pain. When she tells me that she's struggling, I mean, my natural response is to jump in into fix-it mode. But time and time again, she's had to train me. I don't need you to fix it, Troy. I just need you to sit with me. To sit with me in the struggle. To sit with me in the pain. The problem is, I don't want to sit with her and her hurt. I want to fix it. But empathy, it tells me just to sit and to be. Now, over the years, I've been able to grow in my empathy, in my ability to sit with Jan in her pain and her suffering and her frustration. And I'll tell you, here's what I've learned. Empathy, it unlocks intimacy. I tell you, there's so many husbands who are trying to get more intimacy from their wives, but they're going about it with the wrong key. You see, the right key is empathy is what brings you closer. Because immediately when I sit down with her inner suffering, I announce to my wife, you are not alone. When you and I, when we sit with someone in empathy, we declare to them, you're not alone. I understand I am with you in this. When you show up to love someone with energy, you have one job, one assignment. And that's just to simply say, you're not alone. I understand. You're not by yourself. I'm right here with you. 
So the first thing you don't bring to empathy is the plan to fix it. The second thing we don't have to bring is agreement to empathy. You don't have to agree with someone to empathize with them. Some of us, we think, man, in order to empathize, i got to agree with what's wrong, or I have to agree with the, the, the burden that they have, or I have to agree with their point of view or their conviction. It's just not true. You see, I believe there's two reasons that Jesus actually wept when he raised Lazarus. First, he is brokenhearted, and he's feeling the pain that all of the people that are in relationship with Lazarus are feeling. He's feeling that pain. But I think there's a second reason. He's also crying and weeping because he sees their disbelief, their disbelief in him. I mean, they're just completely weeping, even though they've invited Jesus into the story. That means they don't believe that Jesus can raise him from the dead. That's why he says, show me where you laid him. See, I believe Jesus is weeping because of their brokenness, but he's also weeping because of their lack of belief. But I'll tell you, their disagreement on, their, on his belief didn't stop him from showing compassion and empathy towards them. Now, so many of us, so many of us, man, we have our convictions so strong, and we think that our, our convictions get to eclipse our compassion. And our convictions, well, back to our toolbox, they tend to work like this. They tend to work like a hammer, right? And if you think about a hammer, a hammer is a really, really useful tool, right? I like hammers. I, I kind of like building things. I'm not great at building things, but there's a number of things I built. I'd look back and hey, I did a good job with that. But I'll tell you, a hammer's not a good tool all the time, right? You've heard the old adage, right, that when you're holding a hammer, everything in your life starts to look like a nail. And you know what I mean, right? You have a close friend, a close friend or a family member, and they come to you and they're in pain and sorrow and they're in grief because they're experiencing a loss. Maybe they lost a job or a lost relationship, and you know you know that the reason that they lost whatever they lost is because of their own behavior or their own fault. Or, or sometimes they're grieving over something that's kind of outside themselves, something that's happening culturally, racially, or politically. And when you hear why they're grieving, you don't agree with their grief. So you just think, I'm not going to sit in empathy. I have my convictions. A and recognize that a lot of our convictions, well, they may be biblical. They may be God-given convictions. They're significance. But, but we read that Jesus didn't come with just truth. He came with grace and love. And friends, there are seasons when you have to sit in empathy and you don't just lead with your convictions. You lead with your compassion. I tell you, I think one of the things that we have to grow most as followers of Jesus is to understand that our conviction should not exceed our compassion. We want to bring out our convictions, right? We want to bring them out, but Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't lead with convictions. You lead with compassion. He modeled this so perfectly, right? He modeled this... Um, in this story about the woman who was caught in adultery. She was surrounded by people that literally had stones, hammers in their hands, convictions about how wrong and sinful she was. What does Jesus do? 
He enters in. He gets right down beside her where she is weeping in the dirt. And he enters in with empathy and compassion. There's another story, right, where we read that Jesus had a conversation with this Samaritan woman at a well. And man, there's so many reasons he shouldn't even talk to her in the first place. But here we have Jesus, and he's having this conversation with a five-time divorcee who's living with a guy that's not her husband. And instead of bringing in her convictions about how wrong she was, no, no, he enters into the conversation with compassion. And what happens? It changes her life. And it changes her life so much that it spills over and changes her entire village. The reality is, I and you, we have to enter in with compassion, even when our convictions seem like they want to lead the way. And don't you think for a second that Jesus didn't have his convictions? No. I mean, you go look at the Sermon on the Mount recorded in the book of Matthew, and you find that Jesus had really, really strong things to say about adultery, about divorce. But when someone is hurting and grieving and searching, no, no, we get to show up with compassion. We get to show up with empathy, even when it doesn't match our conviction. So how do we? How do we show up when we don't agree? How do we show up and love when there's theological differences, when there's political differences, when there's racial differences? I tell you, I think Jesus models this for us. He tells us to bring our full self, our full level of compassion to empathy. Our convictions are still there. The truth of the word of God, it's still present. But compassion is what we lead with. Christians, just let me just challenge you. Let's share love instead of snatching away every time we get offended or when somebody disagrees with us. So we don't bring our tools to fix empathy. We don't bring our agreement or our convictions to empathy. And third's this. We don't bring our strength to empathy. Being empathetic doesn't require you to be strong. I love how Paul kind of speaks about this when he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, recorded in the book of Philippians. Here's what we read. Therefore, if any of you has any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Looking only, not looking only to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking on the very nature of his servant and being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, and then he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, yes, even death on a cross. How do we sit in empathy? Well, we realize this truth. Hurting people don't need you to be strong. They just need you to be present. 
In that moment, when someone is broken, in pain, grieving, frustrated, fearful, they don't need our strength, they don't need our opinion, they don't need our agreement, they don't need our ability to fix, they just need us to be present. They need us to be like Jesus. When he could have considered himself equal with God, no, he made himself nothing, even to death on the cross. Friends, this is how you sit in the seat of empathy. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross. Bring your cross. And you sit, not in strength, but in weakness. And with your cross as the guide, we sit together. I tell you, Jesus does this over and over again. He sits with us in empathy when we're crying over all kinds of dumb stuff. He sits with us in empathy when we're in sin and the sin is killing us and we won't let it go. And he still holds on to us even when we won't hold on to him. So my friends, instead of bringing our strength, what if we entered in and just brought our weakness so that Jesus Christ in his strength might be made perfect through us. So in order for us to walk in empathy, we have to start with surrender. There's a song I used to sing at church. All to Jesus I surrender. The only way that I'm going to stay in the seat of empathy and love well is to surrender all. Lord, it's all to you. I give it all to you. Friends, this is not about me. This is about you and I being a servant. So, so how, how do you sit in empathy with people of color when they're experiencing racial injustice that you don't even agree with, that you don't even see? How do you sit with someone so hurt and angry and frustrated over Roe v. Wade when you don't agree? It's not about you. This is not about a moment for your agreement. This is a moment for you and I to love well. Because friends, how we love matters. The words of that song go like this. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. My friends, maybe you and I go into this week looking for opportunities to love well, to love better, to love empathetically. May we humble ourselves to sit in the seat, not to fix, not to agree, not even in our strength, but to show up with presence, with understanding, with compassion to show up even outside of a conviction that we agree upon and a compassion that we can't withhold. And finally, finally, 
Let us sit not with our strength, but our weakness in the strength of who Jesus is. His strength be made perfect through us. And may we offer that strength to our brothers and sisters in empathy for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I know for me, this is so hard for me to sit in empathy. I want to fix things. I want to be right. I want to be strong. But God, you demonstrate and you show me through Jesus that I can enter in just to be present. That God, that I can enter in and I can show compassion far that exceeds my conviction. And that God, in my weakness, you will make things strong. Thank you, Father, for loving us when we mess it up, but God, for also for calling us to something more. Help us to be a people who love well with empathy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.